Great to see you. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. This is the first Sunday of Advent, December the 3rd, the year of our Lord, 2023. Amazing. You know, we mark time by the birth of that boy in Bethlehem. And so here we are in the year of our Lord. We've been going through some important essentials of our faith these past several weeks. We just concluded last week on This I Believe and the fundamentals of what Christians believe in the world. And today I want to uh, introduce this subject of, of Advent with a message I've entitled A Season of Praise. And I, it'll make sense to you here in just a moment. Hope to be an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the Psalms. Psalm 103, I'm going to read, at least project on the screen the first two verses. Then I want to read for you just so you, you can listen to the next three verses of Psalm 103. So as you're able, would you please stand to hear God's word? Thank you so much. This is a Psalm of David. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now listen to verse three and following. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And may God inspire us today through this powerful psalm of praise. You may be seated. Thanks so much. How many of you uh, perceive yourself as a leader of some sort in the world? You lead something or some group. Uh, most everyone has leadership responsibilities of some kind or another. And here's an important statement if you'll take it to heart and practice this in your particular sphere of influence as a leader. The number one responsibility of leadership is to define reality. The number one responsibility of leadership is to define reality. In other words, what's true, what's not true? What's, the, what's a, an authentic picture of what's really happening, the circumstances, the context? Leaders clarify what's ultimately true. And as a result of that, wise decisions can be made. Now, here's the understatement for the day. Are you ready? This, is a, this will understate it. It's a crazy world out there. It's a crazy world out there. It's crazy out there. We could spend the rest of the day just talking about the craziness that's happening. So it, we know it's crazy. Now, if the number one responsibility of leadership is to divine reality, you can say, okay, what's well, crazy? But what are the results of the crazy? The results of the crazy is disorientation. This is why we have... We have done the themes that we have done at Union Chapel the last two years. Last year, we went through the whole Bible in chronological order. We caught, it was the story, and we learned the narrative of the Bible. Why did we do that? Because we want to make sure folks understand where the foundations are, you know, where you stand. This is where you stand. This is what we believe as Christians, and that's what we've just gone through the last several weeks, talking about the essentials that we believe. And so in the midst of crazy, what can happen is we get disoriented. Every one of us, 
as Christian people in the world right now, have some level of disorientation. I don't know about you, but I've stopped to ask, am I the one who's losing it? Maybe I'm the one who's losing it. Not sure. All I know is it's crazy. A movie was produced many years ago, 1975. It's only one of three movies ever produced by Hollywood that has won all five major Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, um, Best Director, and, and screen, sc- Screenplay. And only three movies in history have won all five of these Academy Award categories. This movie was produced in 1975. It was a psychological thriller, a psychological drama. Some of you old enough in the room are trying to search for the name of the movie now. Let me tell you what it was. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was 20 years old. I went to the theater. I saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in the theater. Uh, It was a movie that starred Jack Nicholson who, of course, won Best Actor. And this is about a guy who is in and out of touch with reality. And the whole movie is dramatic because this character who, who's, who is placed in an insane asylum, so the whole movie takes place inside of this asylum where people are in various degrees of connection with reality and out of reality. And Jack Nicholson, in this movie, he moves back and forth, subtly, in a nuanced way. You never know for sure if he's lucid or he's not. I I think he won the Academy Award because he was just playing himself. (laughs) Just be yourself, Jack. You'll be fine. (laughs) You know, I'm not trained in the psychological sciences, but if I see some guy who, who strips down naked and goes running through the street of a major metropolitan area claiming to be Jesus, I'm Jesus, I'm Jesus. I know that guy's out of touch with reality. I mean, he's not, he's not well. And so he's, he's out of touch. So this whole movie uh, has this interplay and interaction between the staff and this particular nurse in this asylum and this Nicholson character and his, the friends and the relationships and the, and the complexity of those relationships inside of this insane asylum. To say it was a psychological drama understates it. I mean, it, was, it, I mean, it just messed with you. I remember the effect that this movie had on me when I was leaving the theater that day uh, as you do, you walk out and you're, you, you're with a crowd of people who've been in the theater and you're going into the parking lot. And I was walking out and I looked over to my left and I saw this guy walking and I thought, I wonder if he's crazy. <laughs> and I looked over to my right and I, there, I saw a woman walking toward her car and I thought, I bet you she's crazy. I got to... I got to my car and, I'm, and I finally sat down in my car and I sat there for a moment and then I just, I had this thought. I wonder if I'm crazy. <laughs> because it, because it, it just blurred the lines between crazy and in touch with reality. And so today what I'd like to do, I want to, I want to help us see clearly some things that are absolutely true so that at least in these categories, we can get a picture of reality. 
And for many of us, my goal is to, is to remove as much disorientation from our minds and our lives right now as possible so that we have a firm place to stand. We know who we are. We know the God we serve. We know why we're here, and we know where we're going. And if we can, if we can have that kind of reality, then I will have led well today. So let's, let's just go. And, and this is a brief sermon. You notice when you got here, the parking lot was empty. That's because we got out, you know, like days before we usually do. So this is brief. So if you'll, if you'll stay with me for just a few minutes, you'll, you'll get this. Here's the first thought, and it's in the context of Thanksgiving. Let's put it this way. The Holy Spirit is always at work in everyone, everywhere. That's real. That's the truth. The Holy Spirit is always at work. Now, our passage today from Psalm 103, let me show you those first two verses in the New Living Translation. Look on the screen. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. If you want to stay in touch with what's real and understand the firm place you stand, then you remember that God is worthy of praise and that he does good in our lives. We can rely on him. We can trust him. We can hope in him. So we live in a time, though, where there's all this simmering unrest and uncertainty and conflicts threaten individuals and families and entire societies, the social order. And as a result of that, there's rising, this has all been measured, the levels of anxiety and stress and confusion and conflict and disagreement, all this all this vitriol that's, that's happening, I mean, it's, it's, it's visceral and we feel it and it's, and it's stressful and it's hard to get our minds around. And so all of these apprehensions and, and disorientation happens all around us all the time. But what we know to be true is that God has an unwavering purpose in the world and that is to redeem the world. So I say again, what we can know for sure is that God is at work by his Holy Spirit in everyone, everywhere, with this primary purpose, to bring redemption to the world. Last year when we, we studied this story, we realized that the beginning of the biblical narrative is God's original design and intent for humanity, where he put the first human beings in a perfect place, a paradise, a place called Eden, and we watch the biblical narrative unfold in all of these movements, these five and five movements, all the way to the end of the movements where we find at the end of the scripture, we see God's ultimate plan and purpose, his vision for the world coming to pass, where people from every tribe and language and people and nation will gather together to live with God in intimate relationship in a perfect place forever and ever. This is God's vision and he will see it through. And so we can be assured that God's work in the world today, even in the midst of all the obfuscation, the confusion, the disorientation, is to redeem the world unto himself. And that the Holy Spirit is at work in every person's life, everywhere in the world. It may not, may not seem so. It may, you may wonder about it. You may, you may question that truth, but it is reality that God is at work. Second Peter chapter 3, if you look at this verse on the screen, verse 9, 
it says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. Because when you think about it, you think, well, God, you better intervene sooner. This whole thing's going to implode. And, you know, what are you waiting for, God? This is an answer to that question. The Lord's not being slow, as some people think. No, he's being patient. Why? For your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent, to be included. So the, the, the Holy Spirit is, is alive and well in our world and at work convicting the world concerning sin. It's a serious problem. Sin's a big deal. Convincing the world of God's righteousness. This is a righteous God with whom we relate and are accountable to. So there's this convicting, there's this convincing, and then there's also this inviting. The invitation of God through his son, Jesus Christ, is that no matter how far flung you have gone in your relationship with God, he welcomes you. He's open to you. He's accepting of you. He's willing to forgive you. And as we, as we reach to him by faith, that we are literally forgiven of our sins and adopted into his family. This is a miracle. It's a miracle of grace. Gosh, we didn't deserve any of this, but God has made a way for us. That's why the angels, that's why the angels told the shepherds on that first night, behold, glad tidings of great joy. All the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me on the screen. This is this adoption theme. The spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. God wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to graft you in to his family. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Some of you who have had a good relationship with your own earthly father can identify with this phrase. It's a, it's a phrase implying intimacy and, and value and respect. It's familial. It's, it's healthy. It's warm. It's loving. It's close. And so we get that phrase, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is powerful, isn't it? What a wonderful promise. God wants you to be included. He doesn't want you to be excluded. He wants you included. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants you. Well, God must not know what I've done. He knows everything you've done. This is, what, this is the mind-boggling part of grace. God knows everything about us, and he still loves and accepts and forgives us. He knows you better than yourself, and he still loves you. Amazing, amazing grace. N.T. Wright is a name some of you will recognize. N.T. Wright is arguably the greatest New Testament scholar alive in the world uh, right now. He wrote several books. One of his books uh, was uh, released in 2006. It's entitled Simply Christian, Why Christianity Makes Sense. And in that book, he, he, he observes what he calls echoes of a voice, echoes of a voice that, that he claims everyone everywhere have these same echoes, this voice that people hear in their consciousness, their, their awareness, these, these voices, these echoes, if you will. And he describes them as a longing for justice, the quest for spirituality, the hunger for relationships, 
and the delight in beauty. Now, right away, if you're listening, you understand this guy's smart. He's bright. I mean, who, who coins that kind of phrase? But how insightful it is. Think about that again. Longing for justice, quest for spirituality, hunger for relationships, delight in beauty. Isn't that warm? Isn't that rich? And isn't it true? Think about that. Justice, spirituality, relationships, beauty. Isn't it true? We all, we all gravitate toward that. God's wired us that way. These echoes of voices that all of us experience is another indication that the Spirit of God is working in everyone, everywhere. Now, when I read that, that phrase from N.T. Wright's Simply Christian, my perspective is that these echoes are related to existential questions, like who am I? Why am I here? What gives meaning to my life? What is my destiny? You know, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? These are existential questions. And you've heard me say this time and again. And you could dismiss what I say because I'm a Christian pastor. I have a Christian worldview. I have a biblical orientation. That's, that's how I go through the world. And so I have a position. I have an opinion about this. And so you can discount or discredit my opinion. You know, my opinion is worth about what yours is. But the, but the point I wish to stand on and be, be confident of is the simple fact that in Jesus Christ, we find existential questions answered. That knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus answers the question, who am I? A relationship with Jesus Christ, the, the preexistent co-eternal word of God who created all of us. Knowing him in a personal, intimate way answers the question, why am I here? And ultimately answers the question, what is my purpose? What is my destiny? And where am I going in eternity? And you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again because this is just, this is what I believe. That until and unless you connect in a personal way with Jesus Christ, you will always be confused about these essential questions of life. You'll never get to the answers. You, you can try, you can search, you can, you, can, you can reach for those answers in a thousand different ways, but you will never come to terms with who you are, why you are here, your purpose for living, and where you're going to spend eternity apart from an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the revelation of God. Jesus said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so that's my admonition to you. That's my invitation to you to know Jesus. Because until then, you won't have this figured out. So from, from that simple perspective, here's a great hymn from history that I want to share with you today, just to summarize. Look on the screen at the words with me. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er, ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong. Doesn't that testify to our world? God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now that leads me to the second idea, and that is today's date, December 3rd, is the first Sunday of Advent of this year. And just to simply state the truth, to define reality one more time, 
Advent in today's moment of time is living between the cradle and the coming again of Jesus Christ. The cradle and the coming. We are living between the cross and the consummation of all things. We're living in that period of time. Now, because we describe this weeks of time between between now and when we celebrate Christmas, it's, we, we use the word Advent. The word Advent literally means anticipation or expectation. It, it implies patience. It implies waiting. It, 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 implies, it, it implies a pausing to consider and to contemplate and to expect something hopeful to come next. And so we have to, we have to play that that off of this juggernaut, which is commercial Christmas. I mean, the commercialization of Christmas is way, is way over the top. And we all, we all are impacted by it, influenced by it, disoriented by it. You know, the old, the old phrase, you know, you hear, put Christ back into Christmas. Wow, okay. That's the, theme, that's the idea that I'm trying to get to. But there's so much, there's so much pressure, uh, social pressure, relational pressure, peer pressures of all sorts, to distract us from the, the most important thing of remembering that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he arose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And set down at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and from there he will judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. This is what we believe. And so we hang on to this truth. We, 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 are, we are made confident in this truth and given hope in this truth. So we live between the cradle and the coming again. And so in the brokenness of the world, though, we, ha- we have all of these other distractions in the next few weeks, everyone in this room will go to concerts, we'll go to movies, we'll go to parties, we'll go to parades, we'll take in the sales online and otherwise, we will do all kinds of celebration. And all of that to say that it's going to be hard to remain steady between the cradle and the coming again, to anticipate and expect, to wait, to be patient for something wonderful to happen. Here's my invitation to you in this Advent season. Slow down. Easier said than done, right? Slow. Slow down. I preached a sermon a few years ago on Christmas Eve called The Three Mile an Hour God. Jesus, you know, never moved faster than three miles an hour. That's how fast a man walks. Three miles an hour. What if you only went three miles an hour just like for the rest of the day? (laughs) What Christmas season does to us in this culture is it compresses us. It pressurizes us. It distracts us, it disorients us, it puts us in a ball and shakes us up. It's like the spin cycle. Puts us in the spin cycle. And some people don't wake up until like next June. (laughs) What happened? 
So you have to intentionally slow down. My, here's, my, here's my recommendation. Just go online, Google, just use your pad, use your computer, and just Google Advent scriptures or Advent prayers. Just Advent prayers. Just click that and your screen will fill with the most beautiful prayers of expectation and anticipation and thanksgiving of what God has done by sending his son Jesus to the world. And by the way, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in the world. You may think, you know, that's amazing, the other thing is amazing, she's amazing, he's amazing, that mountain's amazing, that sunset's amazing. The most amazing thing that's ever happened in the world is when Almighty God became a human so that he could identify with us and we could identify with him. Amazing. So take the time for prayer, for scripture, to use your money in redemptive ways, loving ways, careful ways, generous ways. Here's a familiar hymn that's often included in the liturgy of the first week of Advent, like today. Let me put it on the screen. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Hear the words now. From our fears and sins, release us. How great would it be to be free of your sins and fears? Wow. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Wouldn't it be great? Jesus was the joy of everyone's heart. Amen. That would be a good world. It's going to be that, that world someday. So we have Thanksgiving, we have Advent, and then, of course, we will celebrate Christmas in just a few weeks. And let me remind you that ultimate reality is that Jesus is the Messiah and he's at the center of all things. He's at the center of Christmas. And all the distinctions of Christmas, we can lose sight of Christian devotion. We can lose sight of Christian generosity, compassion, love, because what comes naturally, our default in this season for just about all of us is worry, anxiety, please don't raise your hand, disappointment, sadness, anger, please don't shout. We all have these emotions and these expressions and they overwhelm us. But maybe this is the season that someone you know, think about this, is trying to respond to the echo of God's voice in their own soul. Maybe they're, maybe they're lo- longing for something beautiful or something hopeful or a meaningful relationship or renewed spirituality. Maybe there's an echo sounding in someone you know and love and care about. And they're wondering if this, this whole Christmas thing, this whole Jesus thing, has any meaning or significance or relevance whatsoever in their lives or the greater world around them. But maybe they're interested in knowing, or they're curious about knowing, or they're just reaching for something that will give them just the most minute inkling of hope, optimism for the future. And maybe that's a person that you can invite to Christmas Eve. And we will present the hope of Christ 
And maybe this will be a season that will change their life forever. Here's what Jesus said we should do. It's found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse 33. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a good thing? So we seek his kingdom. And maybe, maybe that's, a, uh, th- that's not enough information for you. Here's my recommendation. Again, here's a homework assignment. Go to Matthew's gospel, not just in chapter 6 there, but on either side of chapter 6 is f- chapters 5 and 7, and read Matthew's gospel, chapters 5 through 7, and you will find in those chapters, listen to me, arguably there's consensus now from humanity, from history, virtually every, every notable scholar in history has, has recognized Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, as the greatest teaching ever given to humanity. This, this crosses religious lines as well. The greatest Hindu scholars in history, Muslim scholars in history, Buddhist scholars in history, all, all of the great thinkers of history acknowledge, there's unanimity around this, there's consensus about this, that the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest teaching that has ever been given to humanity. It's in Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> That's where you find it. And if you, so if you want to be inspired and get perspective on what it looks like to be a kingdom-minded person, follower of Jesus, with eternity in view, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. That was helpful, wasn't it? Some of you are going to do that. So let me just end. We're coming in for a landing now. This thing's over. You made it. Isn't that nice? Think how the traffic's going to flow so easily and nicely as you're leaving. This is, this is a quote from Simeon. Simeon, you may recall, was an old guy, an old saint who hung out in the temple in Jerusalem for years and years because he had this sense of destiny that, he was, that God was going to allow him to see the Lord's Christ, that, that he, before he died, he would see Messiah. He, had, he just had this, this sense of destiny. And so he would go to the temple and he'd hang out there day after day until one day when Jesus was just a baby, just days old, his parents delivered him to the temple and Simeon lays, laid eyes on him. And this is what he said. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Luke chapter 2. So in all the world's drama, your own personal challenges, let me just remind you, here's, here's ultimate reality. All of the challenges in the drama that you may be going through right now, it's for a season. These things too will pass. It's just a season of time. And in God's relentless desire, beyond our immediate circumstances and situation, God's relentless desire is that everyone would repent and come to know Jesus Christ as their Messiah and their Savior. God is at work. And so we say, Sursum Corda. Sursum Corda. Part of the liturgy throughout history and Christianity. Translated means... Lift up your hearts. Lift up your hearts. And the liturgy liturgy continues, it is a right and good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to the Lord our God. Amen.
So let this be a season of praise and perspective so that you see things clearly and rest your confident hope in Jesus, Messiah, the Savior, who has come for every one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks. We honor you this day. You are worthy. And so for all of the benefits that you've made possible in and through the life of your son, Jesus, we say thank you. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would take steps in this season of Advent so that we could quiet ourselves long enough, carefully enough to, to draw closer to you, to grow in our understanding of you. Thank you, Lord, for this perspective and for helping us to see reality in the midst of a confused, frustrated generation. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand with us?